So welcome to the Heart Protected Podcast, where we'll be having heart-to-heart conversations about your heart health. I'm your host, Shalane Wong, and today I'm joined by Dr. Peter Lin, and he is all the way from Canada. So Dr. Lin is the Director of Primary Care Initiatives from the Canadian Heart Research Centre. He's also the Associate Editor of Elsevier Web Portal. Today, he's here with us to talk about an important topic, cholesterol control, why early matters. So let's start off with this big question. Um, how does heart attack happen? Dr. Peter, can you tell us? Yeah, so it's very interesting. So cholesterol ends up getting into the wall of your blood vessels and it gets collected there. And when it stays there, it builds up a plaque. Mm-hmm. Every so often that plaque will rupture, it'll crack. And your body will treat it just like a cut anywhere else. And it tries to form a little blood clot to seal it up. Just like if you cut your finger, you would form a little blood clot. If that blood clot gets too big inside the pipe, then it'll block the whole pipe. And then now there's no blood flowing. So if that pipe was heading to your heart and bringing blood to your heart, no more blood, and that would mean a heart attack. So a part of the muscle would die because it's not getting any oxygen or any blood flow. So that's why we worry about heart attacks. The same thing can happen in terms of strokes. So if that same pipe was going up to your brain and it gets clogged up in that way, then you're going to have no blood going to the brain and a part of the brain would die and that would become a stroke. So that's why we care so much about this clogging up of your arteries with cholesterol. I see. So you're saying that cholesterol is actually there to help us and try to repair our arteries, but actually it's not? No. So the cholesterol is actually going to be moving through our pipes to get to places like your muscles and your fat where they need to be used. But unfortunately, some of the delivery trucks, instead of staying in the artery, end up driving into the wall. So let's say you have high blood pressure, it pushes them into the wall. So now you have cholesterol in the wall of your arteries, and that's where the plaque will grow. And you can imagine in a pipe, let's say in your house, things are building up in the wall. Eventually, it's going to make the pipe smaller. And our worry is that this plaque could crack and then form that blood clot, and then that will plug up the whole pipe, and then the blood flow will be going. So the bottom line is the cholesterol is useful to the rest of the body. It's just not supposed to go into the wall of your blood vessel. Okay, by the way, you mentioned high blood pressure. So does that correlate with having heart attack as well? Yes, so high blood pressure will make your heart work harder because you have to pump against this pressure in order to get the blood moving around. And also the blood pressure will damage the pipe. So imagine putting too much pressure inside your house pipes, for example. It may cause damage to the pipe. And the same thing happens in your heart and in all the arteries that are in your body. If there's too high pressure, that's not good for it. So that's why we worry about things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, because that will get pushed into the wall, Uh, high sugar, like in diabetes. All of those things would be bad for your pipes. And all of those things would increase the chance of the pipes being damaged and forming these blood clots, which then leads to heart attacks and strokes. Mm. So we just want to ask from your personal experience, what's the age of the youngest heart attack patient you've known or treated? Yeah, it's interesting. Normally we think of heart attack as old people, right? Like 65, senior citizens, that kind of thing. We're noticing that over time, younger people are getting it. 
And I think it might have something to the lifestyle, you know, like what we eat, you know, high yeah, cholesterol definitely. things, and, right? And lack of exercise. They all taste good in terms of the food. Yes. Uh, and so we eat more of it. And we're seeing that there's much more obesity. Mm-hmm. So you could imagine that, let's say I'm very overweight and I have a big belly. Well, my heart has to pump into that big belly. So that means it has to generate more pressure. So the blood pressure is going to go up. The cholesterol in my blood is going to be higher because I'm eating much more food. And now I have cholesterol that can go into the wall. And perhaps my sugar will be high as well. So you can see that all the things that are bad for your arteries are going up because we have obesity, we're sitting around more often, we're stressed. And when you're stressed, your blood pressure goes up again. Yeah. So almost our lifestyle is the thing that's driving us towards this. And maybe that's why younger people are having heart attacks and strokes. On top of that, if we add in COVID, which we cannot get away from COVID. Yeah, like for now, there's so many side effects that I've heard of. That's right. And when they looked at people with COVID, for example, in the U.S. veterans, you know, these are seniors. They're, Mm -hmm. They're all war veterans. And the people that had COVID had more heart attacks and strokes afterwards. So the thinking is the COVID causes inflammation, causes a war to happen inside your body. And what that does is that maybe that causes those plaques to become inflamed as well and angry. So more likely to rupture, more likely to form those blood clots. So we're seeing this connection between COVID and increased heart attack and stroke. And I think that's why we're desperately trying to help people say, look, pay attention uh, because the risks are increasing either because of our lifestyle in terms of eating too much, not exercising, uh, too much stress. And perhaps now on top of that, the COVID infection is adding even more risk to our uh, risk of getting heart attacks and strokes. You also mentioned that the side effects made our body more inflamed. What do you mean by that? And how does it relate to our, you know, cholesterol plaques? Yes. So whenever we have a plaque, you can imagine, let's say the cholesterol is sitting there and it's nice and quiet. Mm -hmm. No problem. It's not going to rupture. It's not like a volcano or anything like that. It's just a steady wall. Steady wall. So yes, it's a little narrow. It's like the highway. You know, instead of three lanes, you have two lanes, but you can still get by. But what happens if the plaque becomes inflamed and angry and it ruptures? That's what we worried about. So the rupturing of the plaque could happen with high blood pressure hitting it, or it could happen with inflammation, let's say from COVID or other inflammatory diseases. We notice that people that have arthritis, for example, they have lots of inflammation. They're twice as likely to have a heart attack. So there's something about inflammation that makes those plaques more likely to crack open and therefore form blood clots and things like that. And so in being obese, it's interesting, the fat around our belly, I think you've heard this called toxic fat. That's not Mm. the good fat, right? Because the fat around your belly makes a lot of chemicals as well. And those chemicals cause inflammation. They cause higher blood pressure. They cause higher sugars. So therefore, having the belly fat puts you at higher risk of those things. So that's why when we look at somebody, I think most of us, ooh, big belly, he's going to have a heart attack. So we all kind of know that. And yeah. that's the explanation behind it. So it's, is it the fat that you can see or is it, you know, the fat surrounding the organs? Yeah, so it's the visceral fat, the fat around your organs. Okay. So it's not so much, you know, when you pick up your skin and yes. you feel that fat. That fat does not make a lot of chemicals. But the fat around your intestine, around your liver, around your heart, that kind of fat will be making these inflammatory kind of things and therefore more likely for you to have heart attacks and strokes. So that's why we always say try to lose the weight. Mm. And 
And it's not so much the number. I want you to lose your belly. So we used to tell people, measure your belly. You know, if the pants fit better, that's a good thing because it means that the belly fat is going away. So if you see people with a big belly, then we need to say that person is at high risk for heart attack. Let's try and help them lose the belly. Now let's not do crazy things. Like let's you know going from sitting watching TV and then jumping up and doing crazy exercise. Maybe it's too much for your heart. So let's go slowly. Let's control what we eat because if we reduce eating, that might be helpful as well. So I think identifying people would be good. And I have noticed that it's younger people now that fit that category yeah. uh, of this obesity, stress, blood pressure, all those things coming together. So, personally, have you seen a patient that is very young and had a heart attack? What was the youngest age? I mean, the youngest age must have been around 28. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a very early yeah. uh, age because we're expecting the pipe should be good for you know until yeah. 60 something, like a exactly. warranty, right? You're warranty. still active. You're still young. Right. But then in his case, he was overweight, very mm-hmm. stressed out, blood pressure was high. So all the signs were there. I guess the good news is that this isn't something like lightning, you know, where lightning, you don't know where it's going to hit, right? True. One day it's okay, next day the lightning is hit, or an earthquake as mm-hmm. we've seen recently. This is kind of predictable, yes. right? We could see this in people, we can measure things, yes. we can measure your blood pressure. We can measure your cholesterol in the blood. Uh, we can measure your sugar levels. Mm-hmm. We know your stress levels. Yeah. So these are things that we could identify. Things that we can, other people can see and you know care about our loved ones and say that, not judge, not judging them, but actually like, hey, you know, you should lose the weight, lose the belly. I see. Yes, and I think right now, I'm not sure if people connect it together, mm. right? So until they have a heart attack or stroke, they might not know that these are risk factors for it, that obesity, blood pressure, because they seem very separate, right? Mm -hmm. So what does my belly have to do with my heart? And what does this thing you put on my arm to tell me blood pressure have to do with my heart? So maybe people don't understand the connection of these things. But in the end, it's all about the blood vessel inside and that plaque and whether that plaque is exploding, I guess, if you will, and then forming that blood clot. So once we understand they all, in the end, affect that, that's why we want to control blood pressure and cholesterol and sugar and Mm -hmm. lose the weight, less stress and eat properly, those kinds of things. Um, Then it all makes sense as to why they all come together. Yes. So you're saying that the patients getting heart attack right now or stroke are getting younger nowadays. Yes, unfortunately. And I think part of that is our lifestyle, you know, um, I, I myself included, you know, we have our smartphone. You're, yes. never, you're never off, right? Yep. You're always on. And I've noticed people when they get a ping, it's almost like it's the most important ping and they check it right away. Right. And so I think there's a sense that you're always on alert. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, without these devices, there are times when you're relaxed, you know, yes, you're not you're on all the time. you're and zen all the time. Exactly. Whereas now it's ping and then all of a sudden your body is Yeah, it's just a useless email notification, you know. Unfortunately, your body still treats it as the most important thing right yeah. now. And so maybe that kind of thing is also affecting it. But definitely we're seeing a younger population. Um, and so therefore we're trying to reach more people. So if the young population get the message that these are risk factors, they can also apply it to the older population, for example. So let's say they're listening to this podcast. They don't see the problems with themselves, but they see it in their parents or in their older brother or something like that. And then that way they can point it out to them so that more people are aware of what these risk factors are.
I think that's super helpful, especially when we're relating age to um, cholesterol levels. Like how, if any one of you are listening to this podcast, you can actually tell your your older loved ones about uh, what what is heart attack. And now, just asking you, how does age relate to our cholesterol level? Generally speaking, as we get older, we tend to do worse. Okay, because we're eating badly, we're right. not exercising, so therefore we tend to have more cholesterol, and also there's more time for it to build up. Mm-hmm. So imagine when you're born, you have clean pipes, right? Yes, it's brand pure, new. <laughs> you're a pure canvas. That's right. At my age, not so pure anymore. <laughs> so therefore, you're collecting this stuff. So over time. If I don't do anything, more and more of those cholesterol will go into the wall. So I'll have not just one plaque; I might have multiple plaques, and each one is at risk of this rupturing and forming yes. all these blood clots. So that's why the earlier we tackle this, the better. In other words, we want to keep your pipes clean. So it's like maintenance on your car, right? It's better to do regular maintenance and keep everything running smoothly than waiting for it to break down. And I think right now the problem is most people may not be thinking about that, especially the younger people. Mm. They think heart attack and stroke is for older people, yeah, right? That's I'll, like later exactly. for me to worry about. Exactly. Now it's just so, like let's eat and burgers be, and, and be joyful, yeah, right? Anyway, fries. so I think if we got the younger population interested, it's good for them, mm. but they can also help us reach some of the older population and teach them about these things as well. So that's one way of reaching out so that we make everybody healthier. Whereas if we just taught the older generation, for example, which is what happens now, you know, they have a heart attack and then we spend time explaining the heart attack, but it's too late. Yeah, that'd be like saying, you know, you just got robbed, and then we explain what you should do not to get yes. robbed. I mean, it's not as interesting as, yes, as yes. before. So if we teach the older population after their heart attack, it's a little too late for them. Still useful, but a little too late, and they're not going to teach their kids mm-hmm. because their kids they think they're not at risk, right? Exactly. Whereas if we teach the young folks. They protect themselves so that when they grow to being older, they're not going to have the problem. They're not going to have this cholesterol build up inside their body. And if they then reach out to their parents and older siblings, then they can help them as well. So I think the younger population listening to this podcast is perfect because they can do it for themselves, but they can also help the upper generation. As well. Yeah, definitely, they would. Anyone would actually benefit from listening to what you've been saying. And also, just want to ask. How do genetics play a role in cholesterol levels? Because personally, my mom she had I think it was a mini heart attack, and then she did angioplasty, all mm. of that, and then after that, I think our family took like a blood test, and yes. then we found out that our cholesterol levels are actually higher, and. I I would admit that I don't have a big belly, but why do why why does my cholesterol level uh, is so much higher than other people? So um, genetically, we we are built to build cholesterol, so we can make cholesterol mm-hmm. within our body. So in your case, you might make a little bit more cholesterol. We also process cholesterol, so maybe your system of processing isn't so good genetically. Now, in the past, as hunters,、mm. you would have survived because you would make your own cholesterol. So whether、right. you got food or no food, it doesn't matter. So in a land of、um, scarcity, you know, during those times, you would have survived. Whereas somebody like me that has low cholesterol, I got to keep finding food or else I'm not going to do well. So we do need cholesterol, but right now. You can produce cholesterol, and you can eat cholesterol. So now your cholesterol is very high. Now the fact that your mum had an event. 
that's good that your doctor sort of got everybody to get tested, which means that her cholesterol must be quite high, not just a little high, quite high. So we do have some people where genetically they have the high cholesterol and it doesn't matter how they change their diet, yeah. it's going to be high. So in those people, we're going to need medications to lower cholesterol and things like that. So I think it's important to always ask about family history because we have people that went ahead of you, right? So you know what's going to happen. So it's almost like knowing what the book is going to be about just by looking at your own relatives. So in your case, your mom, you know, has high cholesterol. You've been checked, so now you're aware. And we could do things for you so that you don't become like your mom, where you have a little mini heart attack and need a stent, for example. And I guess that's really our whole purpose is to identify people and then protect them. Right, so that they never get robbed, right? Yes. So this is like about the robbery. So we protect them before the event actually happens. Primary care. Exactly, so what we talk about is exactly that primary prevention, meaning we prevent the very first one from occurring. Whereas secondary prevention is it happened and then you're preventing the second one from happening. Right. So you've been robbed once, we're trying to protect you yes. against robbing twice. So it's much better and it's probably cheaper and better exactly. to pretend, protect you before you have that first event from happening. So in your case, you're lucky. You got tipped off by your mother. Mm -hmm. She had to go through the event, yes. but the whole family is aware and therefore we can move forward. What I'm hoping is that we don't have to wait for every family to have a heart attack or stroke before they start taking the steps, right? So we can all get checked for your blood pressure and cholesterol and sugar so that we know what those levels are. And then that way we can take preventative steps so that we never have a heart attack or stroke. So we don't need to wait for the big event to happen before we can protect you. Talking about all of this, you were talking about the arteries getting clogged up. I just have a very um, big question for you. So is it reversible? Interesting. So initially we used to say it's not reversible and it is true. Like let's say for your mom, she's had the heart attack. You know, that part is not reversible. So that heart muscle is damaged. Sometimes the cholesterol builds up and it becomes calcified. So it's now hard. Mm. That's not going to go away. Uh, the part that's kind of soft and gooey, that part can come back out. So we can perhaps reverse it. And we have shown that if we can lower your cholesterol by a large amount, then perhaps we can reverse some of these things. Some parts will be, like I said, fixed. It's already done. So that's why we would like to do things earlier, right? So we'd rather stop the rust from happening on the car than wait for your car to rust apart and yes. then fall apart. So that's why earlier um, awareness and also intervention makes the most sense. So if we stop the disease from happening, then we don't have to worry about trying to reverse it. And that's why reaching out to a younger population is important, especially when we're seeing heart attacks and strokes kind of creeping down in age. So it's no longer hanging out with the 60 and 70 year olds, it's coming down into the 40 and 50 year olds. So therefore we need to do those things to protect them before they have that event. So that's why earlier protection will then mean that we don't let those cholesterol plaques build up in the first place. And that's the best thing for everybody. I see. So you were saying that we want to prevent it earlier. So actually, how possibly early would the cholesterol plaque start to develop within the artery of a heart attack patient? Yeah, that's a good question because to see the cholesterol plaques, you know, we have to open people up, right? So we don't want to open people up. Yeah. However, they did do a study on um, soldiers that died. 
and they're young. And so when they looked at 19 year old soldiers that died, they could already begin to see that fatty deposit. Mm. So not big plaques yet, but you could see the fat being deposited into the wall. And so that's a 19 year old, right? So you could imagine that if we ran 10 years forward, those little streaks of plaque would then become full plaques. And therefore you could see that at 40, they might have some difficulty. So we do know that it actually happens fairly early. The good news is that it takes time, which means we have time to do something about it, yes. right? So like I said, it's not like an earthquake where you don't know when it's happening. We kind of can predict when it's happening. And so that's why if we have those healthy lifestyles and things like that early and we're aware of it, we'll be able to prevent this. Uh, from the very early stage so it's almost like we don't want you to wait until you're 40 just before you're about to have a heart attack and then you decide i should do some good things let's do those good things early and that way we can prevent the disease from developing in the first place yeah you're saying that a 19 year old has already fatty deposits and now i'm thinking i'm like oh no you're very young so you're okay well um you wouldn't know uh you need to cut up my arteries <laughs> to know but i think that is uh, a very good point like even a 19 year old soldier probably very active would also have uh, these problems and I guess that is uh, very important for us to to be aware of this of this problem and so you were talking about the ways to prevent it how do you uh, prevent it when we are talking about primary care yeah. So in primary prevention, so when we're trying to prevent the disease from happening, I guess we should start off with lifestyle, right? I think that's the most important yes. thing. And in terms of lifestyle, we always talk about exercising and eating properly. It's right? all so, of that, all the basic things. Yeah. And it's we always say, you know, it was the same stuff that your mother told you. Yes. But the problem is we just say, oh, it's motherhood statements, right? Mm -hmm. We don't pay too much attention. But in the end, those are the things that on a day-to-day -day is what makes a difference, right? So uh, watching what you eat, not too much high cholesterol, not too much fat, not too much processed foods. We now know that processed foods with some of the chemicals may affect your arteries as well and increase heart attack risk. You're talking about the, pres the preservatives of it. Or preservatives, anything. So every time we process food, okay. usually what we do is we take out the rough stuff because we like to have smooth things. So we take out fiber, yes. which is good for us. So uh -huh. we take that out and we tend to add in things that make it tasty. So salt, sugar, and fat make yeah. things very tasty. So generally speaking, they're trying to make us enjoy the food. Yes. They're not trying to do harm. They're trying to make us enjoy the food. But if we mainly eat that processed foods, we're not going to get the fiber and we're going to have more of the sugar, salt and fat that's going to be in us. So therefore, we can avoid eating some of the highly processed foods, go back to something that looks like it grew from a plant, you know, something natural. Yes. We're going to have less of those kinds of problems inside our body. And then the amount that we eat, you know, we talked about this fat being stored around your organs. Think about it as there's so much coming in that I don't even have time to ship it anywhere. Mm. So I just deposit it at the warehouse, like right in the shipping dock. I just leave it there. And that's really what happens when we see the fat around your intestine, around your liver, is that I don't have time to move it out. There's so much. And I just leave it there. So let's try and cut down on the food. I don't want you to starve because when people say, okay, you told me I'm fat, so I'm not eating anything. When you don't eat anything, your body says, there's no food. There's a, there's a famine. Starvation mode. That's right. And then so all of a sudden your brain says, the next time you see food, please go and just keep all of it. Yeah. Right? That's also a mental thing, you know. You are on a, you just 
you're in a mindset of scarcity, you know. That's right. Yeah. And then when you see food, you go crazy over yes. the food. Um, during the, 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 the Ramadan and the fasting, yes. right, we see that huge. And the amount of food that people eat afterwards is more because your brain says there's no food. There's so grab much all buffets the food. all the That's time. That's right. So grab the food, make sure you have it in case there's no more food. Because your body was designed to survive during scarcity. In other words, when there wasn't a lot of food. So therefore, as soon as it gets a signal there's no food, it'll say, grab what you can because you don't know when the next meal is coming. So therefore, we can control the food eating in terms of the amount, but we don't want you to starve. And the quality, like what kind of foods are you eating? The healthy things is what we're looking for, less of the processed thing. Exercise will help you get rid of the sugar and fat. You you burn it off, right? Because mm -hmm. you need the fuel. So then we're actually using the fuel. And think about in the caveman days, right? I have to run to go and get food. I have to run home with the food and then I eat it. So I end up using energy to yes. get energy. And calorie then we're in, in, calorie out. And we're in balance. Mm -hmm. Now I can just do, 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 do it. And yeah. then grab will send me the I food. I wait for my food and that's all I do. Exactly. I don't have to move and I can eat all of the food. So my energy out is very little but now the calories in is actually quite high and that's why we have obesity and things like that mm -hmm. so we kind of reverse that a little bit we can correct it less obesity mm -hmm. less of all these fatty things coming in and that would be very healthy for us and then of course stress level will make your body think that you're at war so if you're under stress you feel like you're at war so your body will pump up your blood pressure make your heart beat fast like as if you're about to fight mm -hmm. now that's okay in nature because usually that's very short so flight response. right so let's say an animal is chasing you like within about a minute either you survived or you didn't right so mm -hmm. it's not a long time but nowadays we're under this stress for long periods of time you or wake up work stress home stress always under stress so instead of having a stress system that goes on and off it's on all the time i think a lot of people don't even know they're stressed stress. you know that's just like my default mode that's right that's yes. just normal for me and the problem is it's normal for you but inside your body it's running on overdrive mm -hmm. blood pressure is high when you're under stress your body says i need to send more sugar to my legs because i need to run so it pumps up the sugar, but you're not running. So the sugar is floating around, but not being used. So you could see that all the bad things are happening while you're under stress. So now we've got lifestyle, like in terms of food, in terms of exercise, reducing the stress levels would be very helpful. And amazingly, sleep actually helps because if you don't sleep, your body thinks you're at war again. Yes. And therefore you're in the fight or flight. So getting that good sleep is helpful and allows you to repair as well so if we do all of those things it would be helpful we still have some people that still have high cholesterol even though they've controlled their diet and in that case we might need some cholesterol lowering types of medication and this is where you know blood tests from your doctor would tell us do we need this or not and looking at your family history looking at your other risk factors then they could decide what else you need to do but if we can do those simple things uh, it would be very helpful for everybody, especially the young people listening to this podcast because yes. it's very holistic, mm -hmm. right? And then for the people that are higher risk, then we may need medications and things like that. But hopefully by doing that, we don't have to do what your mom had to go through, yeah. which was heart attack and a stent and all these other things. Okay, let's now try to dive deeper into all of this uh, little factor. So you were saying about diet. So how does diet impact our cholesterol levels and what are some 
dietary changes that can help improve cholesterol levels. Yeah, so I think it's the type of food that we're eating. Yes. Um, so to make things taste really good, you know, we all love fried foods and things like that. So we soak it in oil. Yeah. And your body likes oil. Your body also likes salty things. And that's because our body needs salt. So we actually need to eat sodium mm -hmm. in order to keep our body working. And so when we find salt, we want to eat it. In nature, there are very there aren't that many salt sources. So when you find it, it's good. Our nowadays there's a lot of salt yes. in our food, right? <laughs> and they know that it makes us want it because our brain is thinking, I need to hang on to the we salt. We have this caveman instinct because yes. last time we don't have food that is fatty or salty. It's all just natural plants and all of that. So now we would uh, tend to go for the salty and fried foods, right? Right, because we actually need it. So we need the salt. So if we find something salty, we're going to eat that. Um, to find something with fat means that you've found a good energy source. So fat, for every one gram, you get nine calories out yes. of it, right? Or seven calories, something like that. So a lot more than protein. Mm. So therefore, when you find a fat source, you're going to try and grab a hold of that. Because your brain thinks that there's no food. Because as a caveman, it wasn't like food at every corner. Mm. But now we have food at every corner, but your brain still thinks I need to hang on to it just in case. Um, we also like to eat sugary foods because we need sugar to burn fuel as our body is running on glucose. And so that's why when you look at animals, you'll see that they go after the ripe fruit. Mm. And that's why we like the color red in yes, our desserts. The brightest Yeah, colors. bright red color is a sign that there's more sugar in there. So that's why we have some birds that only pick on the ripe fruit. They don't touch the other ones Smart. because they know that there's sugar in there. So that's why our eyes, when we see red, we think that's going to be sweeter. And I need the sweet because I need the sugar for my body. And that's why we gravitate towards those things. So I think what we need to do is consciously thinking about eating. And the other thing I want people to do is taste the food. You know, right. a lot of times you're in a rush, right? You just swallow. And your brain you really says, inhale yeah. all the food. And your brain says, that tasted good. I want another one mm. because I didn't really get a good sample. So remember, the taste is in the back of your tongue. Mm. And when you swallow, there's no more joy. Then it's just calorie going in. So we leave it in the mouth for longer. So we had one lady who used to eat a chocolate bar like uh -huh. a machine, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> right? like she would just eat the whole chocolate bar. Wow. So I said, why are you eating it like that? She goes, it tastes so good. I said, you didn't even taste it. You just <laughs> swallowed it. And so we taught her just break one piece and let it melt on the back of your tongue. Mm -hmm. And when she did that, she was able to just eat one piece and be satisfied. So her yes. brain thinks that she ate a whole pound because it was sitting there all this time. So the same thing with your deep fried food. Let's yeah. say you love the deep fried chew it let it let your brain realize i had a whole pile enjoy of enjoy it you know that's right don't inhale and but just, don't eat 10 pieces yeah. enjoy one or two pieces <laughs> and i think that would be very helpful i think it, the, the satisfaction is a very important factor because a lot of us just want to have that big plate of i don't know big burger especially but when, buffet <laughs> exactly like i want to try every single thing and and by the end of it you're like am i satisfied i don't know i still want dessert you know exactly. so i think that factor really uh makes or break a person when when it comes to their food habits yeah yeah very much so so if we're now conscious of it saying I don't need a second plate, right? Mm. I don't need the fatty stuff. I don't, I'm not in a caveman situation. So as soon as we realize that, then we can control the amount.
And like I always say, it's not to the point of starvation. I don't want people eating like one carrot stick or something like that. Eat a normal meal, but don't be stressed when you're eating it, right? So in other words, enjoy it. Take at least 15 minutes to have your food. And that way your brain realizes that you've actually eaten food as opposed to just swallowing. Exactly. Uh, which is what most people do nowadays because yes. they're busy. Work and time. You don't have enough time. There's just 15 minutes for you to just go trans, uh, go to the place to eat and come back. And I think also uh, our previous prime minister, I think he also said that like um, how he how he managed to have a good health was that he ate until he was about 70% full. And that's when, uh, because I realized myself as well, after a few minutes, I realized that, oh, I'm full, I'm satisfied. But when I eat fast, right, I'm like, I want more. I want a second serving. So the mindset of it. It's interesting. It turns out that your stomach is a very slow system to send signals back. Yes. It's very slow. Okay. So when you eat, it takes some time for the stomach to stretch. Is it the vagus nerve? Yeah. To send up a signal yeah. that says I'm full. And I think part of the reason is that in nature, we never hit a situation where you had tons of food. Right? Usually, it, like the system doesn't have to be fast because you didn't catch that much food that you're going to eat all of it. So that's why the system is a slow system. So if you eat very quickly, you could put a lot of food in there before the signal comes up that says, I'm full. So that's why we slow it down, then that system will be, okay, I'm good, we can stop now. So we need to give it some time. So that's why the time does two things. One, it lets your brain register that you ate good food and you tasted good food. Yes. And number two, it lets the stomach some time to say, okay, we're about 70% full, you can stop now. So that that's very useful as well. Exercise is also something that we're not doing. And even when you watch people do exercise, it's almost they're stressed out, right? They've got 20 minutes to do their running and they want to put it in with their pumping and yes. their iron. And, and when you look at them, they look like they're going to die. Like they're, yes. they're under stress just they're doing like the exercise. They're like competing against themselves right. for some reason. So that's a problem, right? So we want exercise where we feel good at the end of it. So we want you to sweat and all that stuff, but not where you're tense, you know? Mm. So picture a gentle walk in a park versus 15-minute workouts so you can get back to your meeting and all that stuff. Those are two different people. So let's head towards the more, you know, nice and enjoyable kind of exercise as opposed to pushing through and getting my 15 minutes of cardio. I think that might not be good squishing it into a busy day, for example. That's a very interesting um, statement because like right now, there's a lot of uh, YouTube videos of uh, 15 minute fat burning workout and everyone's just so focused on the fat burning. I want to get this in and then I want to carry on with whatever I have. And I guess that really creates a very, um, I guess a bit unhealthy mindset of how you, you categorize your exercise time to be because actually it's supposed to be a time for you to you know let your body move let blood flow but i think now nowadays everyone's just so fast-paced and they want to get my workout done get my work done so it's it's so different yeah it's like a stress kind of exercise yeah. right it's actually putting stress it's supposed into to be a stress relieving exercise correct and i think that's when we want to do exercise that is stress relieving as opposed to stressful exercise and i see a lot of people doing very stressful exercise which may not be so healthy for them so let's try and just go back to a more natural life 
not so compressed, not so、um, time driven that I have to eat quickly, I have to exercise quickly, like everything is done quickly. We can still use the same 15 minutes, but just not feel the pressure of I have to get back, I have to do this. So enjoy the food when you're eating. Enjoy the exercise when you're exercising and don't think about work while you're exercising. You know, a lot of people are worried about what's happening at work while they're exercising.、Um, and that way we'll get the benefit of each thing that we're doing at that time. And that might be healthier for people. That's such a good point. Like,、um, to summarize it, it's actually being mindful of whatever you're doing, whatever you're eating, and just enjoying every single moment of it.、Okay. Thank you, Dr. Peter, for taking the time with us to talk about cholesterol and why does it matter for us to check it early. And we just want to say that if this episode is helpful, remember to share it, spread it to your friends, rate it, and also spread the word around. We will have new episodes every two weeks, so don't forget to subscribe to our Heart Protected podcast. The Heart Protected Podcast is brought to you by AstraZeneca. And as always, if you have any concern, don't forget to consult your doctor and also find out more info on our website at heartprotected.com. So, once again, I'm Shalen and I'm your host, and thank you for tuning in. <laughs>